Hello, this is Andy, and you're listening to Federal Andy. Episode 54, The $17 Billion Question. So, have you noticed? Have you just recently come to the realization that maybe, just maybe, things are beginning to change on the right side of the aisle when it comes to support? for former President Donald Trump? You have to look closely and listen carefully. And sometimes you have to read meanings between the words that they actually write. But you can kind of see that support might just be slipping a little bit. And like it is with many things that eventually give way completely, at first the movement is very slight. You live in a house perched on the edge of a cliff and it's been raining a lot lately and you notice that Oh, that front door is sticking just a little bit. A few days later, you just happen to glance up and see an almost imperceptible little crack somewhere above the door. And if the light hadn't been shining on it just right, and if you hadn't been in just the right spot in that room at that particular moment, you might not have noticed it. week or two later, you might notice that it seems like the floor might be slanting a little bit. And then in the middle of the night, you hear something outside, a noise, like, could that have been a boulder rolling off the side of the cliff? And then eventually, Mother Nature, time, the elements, (laughs) eventually the house starts to fall apart. And it might just be a little corner of the deck outside. But eventually it gets a little closer, and before long, the house just goes tumbling off the side of the cliff, and it's almost as if it was never there. And that's how it is in politics sometimes. Not always, Sometimes there's a huge scandal and it blows up and very quickly it's dealt with because the parties want to put it under the rug and make people forget about it as quickly as possible. But with Donald Trump, I think it's going to take a while. That may be dependent on what exactly happens with the Department of Justice and the investigations into Donald Trump's many, many crimes. But there is 
just a little bit of pushback now. And there's just a little bit of people pulling away. There are some Republican National Committee members that have actually denounced former President Donald Trump and they are in return pushing their fellow members and the current RNC chair, Ronna McDaniel, to come out and very forcefully condemn Trump's Thanksgiving, pre-Thanksgiving dinner with Ye, you know, the former Kanye West, <laughs> and a white supremacist, both of them anti-Semites. You probably recall the kerfluffle about Trump's dinner when he acted like he didn't know that he was having a, an, a white supremacist and an anti-Semite at Mar-a-Lago. And a lot of these RNC members are very unhappy about Ronna McDaniel, who is the chair, not really having a lot to say about it. And there have been members in the RNC that have, have tweeted to her publicly telling her that she needs to condemn this, this activity. That member said that as a party, the Republicans must oppose all racism and prejudice and that they must condemn those who accept and endorse it, which includes inviting neo-Nazis to dinner. That's just paraphrased, but that's basically what was said. So there is some pushback, and there have been a few Republicans in both houses of Congress that have started to indicate by their words and their actions that their support of Donald Trump is eroding. And... We're how many years into this thing now? Five, six, seven, <laughs> over seven years. Four years in office and two years since he left office. And a year before he was elected the first time, or actually it was maybe a little more than that. But anyway, <laughs> um, We've been living with this plague on America named Donald Trump for a long time now. And what all of a sudden has happened that has caused these folks to have a change of heart or maybe just slipped into self-protection mode because they've realized that maybe their seats are at risk or that their party is at a risk 
of becoming non-existent because of this man. Was it one of the 56 criminal offenses that Donald Trump has committed since he launched his campaign for president way back in 2015? And that doesn't even include the fraudulent business dealings of Trump Organization, which we have people who have testified under oath that Donald Trump personally signed off on some of this tax evasion stuff, tax fraud. What was it, 17 counts? against the Trump organization, and they all, all, <laughs> were found guilty, every one of them. The Trump organization was guilty of every single thing that they were in court so far. So, what exactly is it that the Republicans have now decided is just a bit too far for them with Trump. What exactly is that? Could it be the issue with the campaign finance stuff? The crimes and the cover-up? Possibly. Who knows? Because... Uh, we have a lot of testimony about a lot of things that have happened. There was an awful lot of stuff going on with campaign finance, crimes, and cover-up while he was running to be president. Uh, one of them was causing his personal attorney, Michael Cohen, to make a or and or accepting an unlawful individual contribution. Um, that is 52 U.S.C. 30109, 30116, 30118, 18 U.S.C. Section 2. Those are the statutes that he was in violation of. There have been uh, other things. There's an awful long list here that I am looking at. How about uh, destruction of presidential records during the time that Trump was president? Was that what sent the Republicans over the edge finally? Willful destruction of government property between 2017 and 2021, that's a violation of 18 U.S.C. 1361. Gosh, destroying government property, that's, that's not a good thing, is it? That seems kind of bad to me.
How about obstruction of the Russia and special counsel investigation? Obstruction of justice and witness tampering in 2017, that's 18 U.S.C. 1001 and 18 U.S.C. 2. There was an investigation on that, you know, the, the, the Mueller report, and that was closed while Trump was president. Of course, the Department of Justice has this rule that you can't charge a president, can indict a president while he's actually president, which if the belief that no one is above the law is true, sure seems that if you are president, you're above the law. And I thought we got past that with Richard Nixon, but apparently not. So seems to me that that is something that Congress actually needs to take up and they need to actually pass a law that says it doesn't matter if you're the president or not, if you break the law while in office, you get treated like every single other American citizen, period. I mean, even if it's during a time of war or there's some kind of a crisis going on, do we really want someone that's a crook, someone that's broken the law, running things? We have backups for that. We have the vice president that can step in and fulfill that role. And if the vice president's involved, we have a speaker of the house. And if all three of them are involved in something, then we have someone in line behind that and someone behind that person and someone behind that person. Just in case. How about attempts to steal the 2020 election? The solicitation of Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger to create fraudulent election results. There's a Georgia law against that. Intentional interference with the performance of election duties. It's against the law. That one is still being investigated, of course. A special grand jury in this case has been convened in Fulton County, Georgia. But the extent of the possible criminal offenses that are being investigated isn't known for certain. But the New York Times has said that there are multiple allies of the former president who have been advised that they are targets, including the state party chairman and members of the slate of fake electors. Nice, very nice. Very, very nice indeed. How about uh, 
attempts to get Ukraine to interfere in the 2020 election. That's bribery. That's 18 U.S.C. 201. That was when President Trump wanted public statements to be made by the president of Ukraine. Vladimir Zelensky that uh, would help President Trump in his re-election bid because he felt like he would probably be running against former Vice President and Senator Joe Biden. And in return for this public um, announcement that there was going to be an investigation into the Bidens in Ukraine. This this deals with the Hunter Biden thing on the gas company board. The Trump would then um, return official actions as as president. Uh, for instance, he would invite um, Zelensky to visit the White House. And he would uh, allow security assistance that had already been approved through Congress to be released to Ukraine. And I think the fact that he held up that that assistance is actually an issue as well. How about uh, 18 U.S.C.? 610, attempts to get Ukraine to interfere in the 2020 election, coercion of political activity. Trump, personally and through his subordinates, caused uh, federal officials to engage in partisan political conduct by getting themselves uh, involved in a scheme to pressure a foreign country to investigate Trump's campaign rival. Same thing. I'll do this for you if you'll do this for me. Pred quid pro quo is what they call that. Misappropriation of federal funds is another one. That's 18 U.S.C. 641, and this involves the uh, attempts to get Ukraine to interfere in the 2020 election because Trump improperly withheld security assistance to Ukraine, and he did that for his own political gain. The head of Ukraine, a guy that everybody knows really well, was looking for help with his country after he won the election. And there had been some money set aside by Congress to help Ukraine. But uh, Trump didn't want him to get the money until they had done something for him. This wasn't something that would benefit the country as a whole, although Donald Trump may have thought that it 
that it did benefit the country because he puts himself first in all situations. So <laughs> he may have thought, well, you know, the country will be better off with me as president again. So I'm not really doing this for myself. I'm doing this uh, mostly for the country because the country would be so much better off with me. Right. You betcha. So anyway, that is, uh, that's wrong. And that's unacceptable for a U.S. president to do such a thing. There are lots of other things. Um, obstruction of justice and the attempts to get Ukraine to interfere in the 2020 election, soliciting unlawful foreign campaign contributions. Um, that's uh, 18 U.S.C., 1505 and 1512, 15, 52 U.S.C., 30109 and 30121. That's the uh, soliciting unlawful foreign campaign contributions. Uh, how about a criminal violation of the Hatch Act? That's a violation of 18 U.S.C. 595. That uh, is when you tell your subordinates, people who work for you, to violate the Hatch Act by pressuring and encouraging them to engage in political conduct that is partisan. Because when you are working for an administration, you are supposed to be representing all of the people, not just the people in your party, not just your supporters, but you're supposed to represent everyone, including the people that voted against you and the people that you disagree with. And you disagree with them because, of course, they disagree with you. In Trump's case, he doesn't need much of a reason. How about perjury? 18 U.S.C. 1621 or 1623? Would a sitting president who committed perjury, who lied... Would that be enough to get the Republicans to say, that's, that's enough, we, we can't support this guy anymore? Uh, seems like that ought to be enough, huh? So we know that uh, federal grand jury has been investigating uh, various aspects of the January 6th attack, which includes the uh, stop the steal protests and uh, a, a scheme to stage a coup by uh, submitting false electors from several states. Financing of the January 6th protests in Washington, D.C.
Conspiracy Against Rights, 18 U.S.C. 241. That's when you get with others and you conspire to overturn the results of a presidential election, like uh, what happened in Georgia, you know. <laughs> you know, the, the conversation, can you find me 11,000 some odd more votes? And attempts to weaponize the Department of Justice in order to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election. That probably involves um, the thing where he wanted, uh, uh, what was it, the military? Do you want the military or did he want uh, the feds working for the Justice Department or FBI or somebody to go out and, and confiscate voting machines? <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah, that that's a uh, yeah. Um, it, it's just really amazing all of the stuff that is that's going on. Um, Conspiracy to commit election fraud. This is a this is a Georgia um, code by um, agreeing in cooperation with others, people like uh, Chief of Staff Mark Meadows and the Attorney John Eastman and Attorney Rudy Giuliani and others to commit election fraud in Georgia. Wow. Uh, there's a whole bunch of codes that were violated when the solicitation of Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger was um, asked to create fraudulent election results. Was that enough to get the Republicans to say, whoa, whoa, what the heck is going on here? How about the solicitation of Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, who is also a Republican, to call for a special election and also a special session in order to have electors appointed that would support Trump? That's criminal solicitation to commit election fraud. There's a whole bunch of codes that are violated in that. The solicitation of 16 Georgia residents to serve as fake electors. Again, criminal solicitation to commit election fraud. These are serious crimes, folks. How about obstruction of an official proceeding? 18 U.S.C. 1512. When you attempt to obstruct or you actually cause the obstruction for a time uh, when Congress is uh, trying to certify the 2020 presidential election. That's, a, that's an official proceeding, and that is not, you're not supposed to obstruct that. I guess if the Capitol were on fire, 
definitely it could be and you could obstruct because people would need to leave for their own safety or if there was a serious threat to the nation or something perhaps incredibly serious going on somewhere in the world that would require the leaders of the country to stop what they're doing, this stop their the official proceeding and, and uh, do something else. I, I think that that's probably acceptable, but uh, anything else, no. If they have official business, you cannot do anything to obstruct that. How about conspiracy to defraud? When you get together with other people uh, and decide that you're going to, you hatch a scheme to interfere with other governmental functionings, uh, like the certification of the results of a presidential election and the peaceful transfer of power, which is a constitutional requirement. Conspiracy to defraud, 18 U.S.C. 371. How about conspiracy to prevent an officer from discharging any duties? That's 18 U.S.C. 372. There had to have been some discussion about preventing Mike Pence from discharging his duties as the vice president to count the votes and certify the Electoral College, right? And certify the winner of the election on January the 6th. And there's apparently a federal grand jury looking into that. How about interfering with um, employees of state or federal governments during an election, 18 U.S.C. 595? The Department of Justice was weaponized to... Um, overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election. Trump wanted to weaponize the Department of Justice in, uh, while they were trying to um, perform their duties. Coercion of political activity, 18 U.S.C. 610. Again, this is weaponizing the Department of Justice in service of their um, campaign to, larger campaign to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election. Seditious conspiracy. That's 18 U.S.C. 2384. That's uh, when you conspire to prevent, hinder, or delay by force Congress's final counting of the Electoral College votes for the 2020 election as part of a bigger scheme to stage a coup, overthrow uh, the democratically elected government of the United States. Seditious conspiracy. That's serious. Don't you think? Wouldn't you think that it, the Republicans in Congress at this point would say, whoa, 
What the heck is going on here? What the heck? Of course, weren't some members of Congress in the Republican Party involved in this? After the domestic terrorist attack on January 6th, didn't they still vote against certifying the 2020 election? Seems maybe some of them might be involved, huh? Oh my gosh. Wow. Possibly that might explain their reluctance to come out forcefully and and verbally and publicly against former President Trump while all of this was going on, huh? And, and of course, since then, because, well, you know, there's (laughs) active investigations. Uh, You got to keep your mouth shut, right? Yeah. How about uh, this one? This is a Georgia code. Racketeer-influenced and corrupt organizations. That's RICO violations. That is when you use an enterprise to engage in a pattern of unlawful conduct to subvert the count and the certification of the 2020 election in Georgia. Wow, that doesn't sound good. Wire fraud. That's bad. That's a violation of 18 U.S.C. 1343, which uh, is uh, obtaining a $250 million contribution to the Save America PAC off of false claims that the 2020 election was stolen. Because there is grand jury looking into this as well, but we have had members of... Trump's administration testified to the January 6th committee under oath that Donald Trump knew that there was no theft in the 2020 election. There was no rigging. There was no cheating. And he knew that. And that comes from multiple people, not just one or two, but multiple people under oath testifying. And he was out telling everybody, send me money. We've got to save America. The election was stolen, using that as as a basis. So he was defrauding his uh, supporters and is still doing it today, still today taking money from his supporters because he keeps telling them that these elections have been stolen and he has zero proof. Zero proof. How about unauthorized possession of national defense information, 18 U.S.C. 793E? That's when you know, knowingly, have, without permission, government records that contain national defense information. This was some of the stuff that was at Mar-a-Lago. I suppose it's possible while you're president, you can have pretty much anything in your possession that you want, but there are procedures and protocols for checking this stuff out 
and then making sure it is put back into safekeeping when you're done. You can't just let a president willy-nilly leave stuff laying around in the White House for, you know, housekeeping or whoever to, to see. So that's, uh seems to me to be a pretty serious crime. And then when the National Archives goes to Trump and his people and initially just basically says, these things, there's some things missing that we're supposed to have. Do you have those things or know where they are or whatever? Um, but when you obstruct an investigation by the National Archives and you have in your possession illegally government records and or records that have national defense information and then you fail to return those records when requested and notify that you've, we, we believe you've got these, you need to return these, and then they send you a subpoena and you still don't do it. That's obstruction of justice. Again, 18 U.S.C. 1519. Gosh, obstruction of justice has come up several times, hadn't it? You, you almost get the feeling that Donald Trump is not very patriotic if he is actively and willingly and repeatedly obstructing justice. Huh. Wouldn't you expect a president to be above that? I certainly would. And then we have those reports of these government documents and things that were illegally and knowingly um, concealed or moved around or destroyed, possibly. That's a violation of 18 U.S.C. 2071, when concealment, removal, or destruction of government records. Holy cow! <laughs> Gosh, it kind of seems like at least one of those ought to have flipped a switch with the Republicans, doesn't it? Because some of those are really very, very serious uh, crimes. But yet, for the most part, while all of this was going on, a lot of the Republicans in Congress pretty much kept their mouths shut, didn't they? Or it, they s indicated that they supported Donald Trump. Wow. It, it kind of makes you wonder why, doesn't it? Doesn't it? What in the world could have possibly been going on with these Republicans where they didn't want to stand up for the Constitution of the United States and do the right thing according to their oath of office and the promises that they made to all of the people who voted for them? 
because I'm pretty sure that if they had told their constituents while they were running for that seat, oh, you know what? I'm not going to follow the Constitution. I'm not going to keep an oath of office. And, you know, the president does something illegal or whatever. I'm just going to let it happen because, well, freedom or whatever reason they want to use. Is it possible that... uh, Some of these folks in Congress could have been involved in some of these things because that's conspiracy. When you sit down with someone or others, (laughs) some others, and you all talk about, well, this is what we're going to do, and it's illegal, you're going to break the law, you're conspiring. That's conspiracy. And when you're conspiring to obstruct justice or to interrupt an official proceeding or whatever, that's against the law. And we now know that there was this little scheme hatched where they wanted to not approve the Electoral College. So, (laughs) once you start considering the fact that some of these folks could have been intimately and closely involved in the planning of this, you can kind of see why maybe they've kept their mouths shut, huh? Because there were a lot of Republicans who objected to certifying the election results. This was after the election results had already been certified in all of the states and sent to Congress to be certified. That morning, January 6th, started off with the the, the first thing that I kind of remember was Senator Josh Hawley, who's a Republican from Missouri, he was, I guess, walking toward the Capitol and he acknowledged the supporters of President Trump outside by, you know, holding his hand up in the air with, you know, his fist as a show of support, a sign of solidarity with these people. Did he happen to see some of these people carrying guns? Mm, Who knows? I don't know. Maybe he did. But you know, the whole thing is kind of like a nightmare that day. Because even after a huge mob of Trump supporters swarmed past the fences that had been put up 
because the Capitol was closed that day. It was officially closed to the public, uh, I think, mostly due to the COVID-19 pandemic. But uh, it may have been closed for other reasons. But even though this process on January 6th had already been delayed until after midnight, because it was actually Thursday the following day before Congress could get back to the business of the people after these supporters broke in, shattered windows, beat cops, tore up things in the U.S. Capitol, literally peed all over the place and smeared feces around, broke into offices. Somehow they knew where the secret offices were for some of the members of Congress. Even after all of that destruction and damage and death, Over 100 Republican representatives stood by their initial decision to vote against certifying the results of the presidential election. Senators Josh Hawley of Missouri, Ted Cruz of Texas, Tommy Tuberville of Alabama, Cindy Hyde-Smith of Mississippi, Roger Marshall of Kansas and John Kennedy of Louisiana voted to overturn the results in Arizona. And 93 other senators had to vote against So Those are the people that voted to overturn the results. Everybody else voted against overturning the results. And then Mr. Hawley and Mr. Cruz and Mr. Tuberville and Ms. Hyde-Smith, Mr. Marshall and Senator Cynthia Lummis, or Loomis, I don't know, it's L-U-M-M-I-S, of Wyoming, and Rick Scott of Florida, voted to overturn the results in Pennsylvania, while 92 others voted against doing so. The House of Representatives rejected the Arizona challenge by a vote of 303 to 121 and rejected the Pennsylvania challenge by a vote of 282 to 138. Now, there are four Republican senators who had previously said that they were going to back the effort to throw out the election results, but they changed their minds after they saw the domestic terrorist attack on the U.S. Capitol that day that was incited by their president, President Trump. And those senators were... Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee, Kelly Loeffler of Georgia, um, James Langford of Oklahoma, and Cindy McMorris Rogers of Washington.
but a bunch of other Republicans stuck to it, and they voted to overturn the election results. After they saw the U.S. Capitol attacked, and after Donald Trump had already lost one lawsuit after another, after another, after another, about his fake allegation that the twenty uh, six the, the twenty twenty election had been stolen or rigged or whatever. So. Isn't it possible, just maybe possible, that some of these senators and people in Congress, representatives and senators, might have been involved somehow? Do you think that that's why the party has been so careful about not going against Donald Trump? And... Don't you think America has a right to know the answer to those questions? In her testimony to the January 6th committee, which was given under oath, Cassidy Hutchinson, who served as an aide to former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, reported that there were a few folks in Congress who asked President Donald Trump for a pardon before he left office. A president can only issue pardons while they are actively sitting in that office as President of the United States. After they have left, they can't do it. Those representatives include Matt Gates, who's a Republican in Florida, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican in Georgia, Louie Gohmert, a Republican in Texas, Andy Biggs, a Republican in Arizona, Scott Perry, Republican from Pennsylvania, and Mo Brooks, a Republican from Alabama. Now, when you ask for a pardon, it's because you are afraid that you have committed a serious crime and that you want to be protected from being prosecuted for that crime. And if all of these folks had been given pardons by President Trump, in, ex in accepting those pardons, they would have had to have admitted to a crime. So what crime did they commit? They're being awfully hush-hush about that right now. They sure are. They sure are. And the disrespect and the hatred of Republicans toward the American people and our Constitution and those who serve their country is incredible. Because there was a 
there was a resolution that was passed in the House on uh, um, regarding the um, gosh, where's my vocabulary? <laughs> And they, there is there was a resolution that did pass the House to honor the law enforcement officers who were on duty at the Capitol on January the sixth when all of these attacks took place. And it is the gold medal, and it is Congress's highest expression of national appreciation for distinguished achievements and contributions. And the House passed a resolution to honor, to honor the police for their actions during the deadly riot uh, at the Capitol. And, you know, a couple of officers died. A couple of officers have suffered horrendous injuries, and these folks who <laughs> were being honored protected these folks who voted against them. The resolution passed, was approved, um, and, uh, uh, 413 votes to 12 in the House to award uh, these police officers with the gold medal. Do you want to know who the 12 no votes were? They were Louis Gohmert. Does that name sound familiar from the previous list of people who asked for pardons or did things that they maybe shouldn't have done. Yeah, how about, uh, well, Michael Cloud and Lance Gooden of Texas. The, all, all three of those, Gomert, Cloud, and Gooden, are all from Texas. How about Marjorie Taylor Greene? Recognize that name? Andrew Clyde of Georgia. Those two are from Georgia. Matt Gates. he asked for a pardon too. And Greg Stubbe, of Florida, Andy Biggs of Arizona, another person who appears on the list asking for a pardon. Thomas Massey of Kentucky, Andy Harris of Maryland, Bob Good of Virginia, and John Rose of Tennessee. Those 12 folks voted against honoring the officers who protected their lives on January the 6th. Is there anything more disgraceful than that? The two representatives from Texas, Gomert and Cloud, both of whom opposed the resolution, said the reason that they opposed it was because of the um, language in the resolution that was introduced by Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Gomert had apparently circulated an alternative resolution 
And in his resolution, he did not refer to the Capitol riot and merely described the, uh, the three police officers as having passed in January 2021. Officer Brian Sicknick died from injuries that were sustained during the violence on January 6th. And two other officers, How Howard Liebengood and Jeffrey Smith, took their own lives in the days after the riot. No, ma no doubt that this was a very, very traumatic event for them to have their fellow citizens attack them. And they were just doing their job. They were honoring the Constitution and the people of the United States. The rioters, the domestic terrorists bearing Trump flags and Confederate flags are not patriots, and they were not honoring the Constitution. They were disgracing it. So, all of this happened in the past, and since then, we have had Republicans, despite all of this, have stood by, in large part, it stood by Donald Trump. So none of this was enough for the Republicans who took an oath to protect the Constitution and to defend the country and to protect the American people. None of this stuff was serious enough, apparently, in their opinion, to put their foot down and say, I have had enough. Oh, there have been a few that have said things. You know, Donald Trump was impeached twice. And both times, the Senate was controlled by the Republicans. And the first time... <laughs> They, well, they didn't even really hold a trial. It was a sham trial. They didn't allow witnesses, really. They didn't allow evidence to be admitted. And there were, uh, uh, there was, you know, almost 100% support to not hold Trump accountable for what he had done. And then the second time, the snake who was the Senate majority leader at the time, Mitch McConnell, said that, well, you know, there just wasn't enough time to hold a trial on the impeachment of a president because it was the Christmas holiday was coming up. People had to go home, be with their families. How about the officers who couldn't be with their families? Huh? There was one protester, I believe, who was shot and killed. 
Bottom line is she was someplace she wasn't supposed to be. And I'm sorry, but when you are in a large group of people and you're knocking down police lines and fences and busting windows to shove your way into a building that's locked. And when you've got law enforcement people telling you to stop doing what you're doing and they're pointing guns at you and you keep doing it anyway and you get shot killed, well, guess what? The only person you can blame is yourself because that woman who was killed had plenty of opportunities to turn around and leave. She was doing something she shouldn't have done. And, you know, when you're in a group of people and they're screaming that they want to kill people that are leaders of your country, top people in Congress, in the House or in the Senate or the vice president or whatever, and, and some of them have guns, And they've got those plastic uh, ties so that they can handcuff people. What the heck is that all about? They were going to take hostages? Handcuff them so they could take them out to the gallows that had been set up in front of the U.S. Capitol? If you've got two cents worth of common sense, you should have seen something in that scenario that would have told you this is wrong I should not be here. I need to leave. And you turn around and you get out of there as quickly as possible. But she didn't, and she lost her life because of it. And that's sad. But I'm more concerned with the people who were there doing their jobs and honoring their country and its citizens and the Constitution by trying to protect the government that was trying to do an official procedure. But that wasn't enough. That wasn't enough. One Republican said that it was just another day of tourism. Just another day of tourism. Marjorie Taylor Greene, as recently as in the last day or two, commented that if they had had guns on January 6th, you know, if she had been involved in the planning of January 6th, that they would have had guns. And if they'd had guns, it would have turned out very differently. And I'm paraphrasing. But you don't have to look too hard to see that they had guns on January the 6th. Marjorie Taylor Greene voted against giving gold medal to the police officers, and asked for a pardon. Huh, that name just keeps popping up, doesn't it? And she just keeps flapping her mouth, and she posts ridiculous, insane, right-wing, fringe, fantasy, conspiracy things on Twitter all the time. I'd really like to know what her story is. She just got reelected to her seat also, so did Lauren Boebert who also asked for a pardon. I want to know what it, what it was about all these folks that, you know, why did they ask for pardons? I think that we need an answer to that, especially since a lot of these people are still in Congress. They have their seats still. 
What was that all about? I want to know. I think America has a right to know what their elected officials did that prompted them to ask an outgoing president for a pardon before he left office. Don't you? But none of this was enough to make most of these people come out against Trump. When asked if they would vote for Trump if he ran for president, most of them would still support him. Or they'll, they'll kick around it by saying, well, yeah, I'd vote for whoever the Republican candidate is for the presidency. So knowing all of this, they would still vote for a man who tried to stage a coup and overthrow a democratically elected government. And they would vote for him. I don't know about you, but to me, that seems more than enough reason to expel them from Congress. They certainly are not honoring the Constitution or keeping their oaths of office. So what is it? What is it after all of this? What was the thing that finally made the Republicans decide, hey, maybe we ought to not support this guy, this Trump guy. What the heck? What was it? So, what was it? Back in 1955, there was a game show that aired on CBS TV titled The $64,000 Question. And it kind of became embroiled in a scandal after a couple of years. But in the show, contestants answered general knowledge questions and they made money if they answered the question properly. And the money doubled as the questions that they were asked to answer became more difficult. And the final question, the most difficult question of all, had a top prize of $64,000. So if you got all the questions right, including the big one, you won $64,000. And... In that show, there was a consolation prize. If you missed the question and you came in second place, you got a brand new Fire Engine Red 1955 Cadillac convertible. And there was a thing that happened because of that. Back in 1955, most of the gas stations in this country were full, were full service. So you just pulled in, stayed in your car, and an attendant would check your tire pressure, check, check your windshield washer, fluid, uh, check your oil, fill up your car. And one of the Gags was, if a customer pulled up in a brand new red Cadillac convertible, the gas station attendant would <laughs> kind of laugh at them and say, uh, 
what question did you miss, stupid? <laughs> and it was meant as a joke because everybody knew about the show. So, what was it? What was the thing that happened that suddenly caused some of the Republicans to start moving away from Donald Trump? I'll tell you what it was. It was the midterm elections. It was losing the midterm elections. And yes, the Republican Party did lose the midterm elections. Now, there have been a few Republicans previous to this who, despite having a horrendous voting record as far as I'm concerned, did do the right thing by their country. And the two Republicans are Liz Cheney, and Adam Kinzinger. Liz Cheney lost her primary, so she leaves Congress at the end of this session, and she co-chaired the January 6th committee. Adam Kinzinger, I think, after having received threats against his family, has decided that he uh, he decided he was not going to run to keep his seat. So he is also leaving of his own accord at the end of this session. Now, I'm not even going to get into the whole thing about the American people threatening others, public servants, but that's happening all over the country. The talk of theft and having your country taken from you and all of this stuff, which is all lies, has resulted in election officials, state officials, local city and county officials to quit, to leave their positions. Because to them, it's not worth it having their children threatened at school or having protesters out in front of their house. And that's happening all over the place. We have lost a lot of election officials, uh, the folks who are at the polling places that supervise the elections to make sure everything runs smoothly. A lot of them have quit. These are all people that we depend on. These are people that we need. And these thugs... They're certainly no better than a thug, probably worse. They're running off these people that we depend on. And a lot of people have been over backwards to accommodate Trump. Mitch McConnell saying that the Senate needed to go on its holiday break, and then when it got back after that, there just wasn't going to be enough time to hold the impeachment trial for Donald Trump for the second time. That's not being patriotic. Not at all. That's being a traitor to your country. 
in addition to a disgrace. And all the Republicans in the Senate just went along with them, apparently. Didn't hear a lot of squawking among them. But the midterm elections typically are elections where the party that does not have the White House picks up a ton of seats in Congress, a lot of seats. It's kind of a way of resetting and telling the party that is in control, we don't like what you've been doing. So we're going to give more power to your opposing party. But that didn't really happen this time. It didn't really happen. Democrats picked up one seat in the Senate. And since then, Kirsten Sinema, who was barely a Democrat to begin with, honestly, has left the party and has registered as an independent, but she says that she is not going to caucus with the Republicans and that she will continue to uh, vote as she has, which is mostly with the Democrats. So nothing is really expected to change. Nobody knows what's going to happen with Joe Manchin, but he'll follow the money. Whatever gets him the most money in his personal bank account is where he'll go. But that is what did it. The Republicans barely have a majority in the House of Representatives. It's like four or five seats, I believe, something like that. I think there's still some issues. <laughs> but it's, it's not the 30, 40 seat pickup that they were predicting before the midterms. You know, the big red, red wave that was supposed to have happened never happened. But that is what finally finally has started to move the Republican Party away from Donald Trump. It's because they lost elections. People that Donald Trump endorsed lost. People who believed the 2020 election was stolen lost, with a very few exceptions. There were a lot of people running for Secretary of State, and for local offices, and, and the vast majority of them did not get elected. Carrie Lake wanted to be governor. She is still trying to become governor of Arizona. She's filed a lawsuit now saying that the election was fraudulent and she wants all of this stuff done. The election's already been certified and she's apparently going to try to hold it up. She's just, she's nuts. She's just nuts. But none of these folks, with the few exceptions that I've mentioned, really did the right thing. They're all cowards. They all kept their mouths shut. There wasn't a statesman or a patriot among the bunch that, have, that I haven't mentioned that, that, that stood out. There are few that have voted to voted against Donald Trump, yes. But very few have come out and said, no, this is wrong. I cannot support this. This guy needs to go. And only now are we beginning to hear signs from people that 
you know, eh, maybe it's time to move on. Of course, a lot of people are mentioning Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who's pretty much (laughs) Donald Trump, a couple of years younger. So that's another podcast. But that was it. The Republicans put party before country and they prove it time and time and time and time again. And with Donald Trump, they proved it by keeping their mouth shut through all of the crimes, through all of the lies, through everything. But it was only when they felt like his participation in the Republican Party and his endorsements of people caused them to lose the big gain they were expecting in Congress. Only then did they start coming out and and making comments about, well, maybe it's time that we move on. And I think that that is pathetic. And I think it's shameful. And it shows me that these folks in Congress are cowards. The Republicans in Congress are mostly cowards who have put their party first before the country and their own personal careers first before what is best for their country. And I think that is absolutely shameful. But yet they act like they're the ones in the right. We've got to get our country back. We've got to take our country back. Yeah, they want to take it any way they can, even if it means cheating and stealing. And people still support them. Which makes me wonder what in the world is wrong with people today that this is okay with them. It really makes you think. Again, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening. I would be grateful to you if you'd subscribe and share this podcast to let your friends and family know about it. You can also find me on Twitter at Federal Andy, and I'd be really grateful if you would follow me. I usually follow back. Be happy safe and healthy, and I'll hopefully be talking to you again next week.